we have not given them the tools to have that level of conversation. So therein, for me, therein lies an issue. Women are not weak. Before we get started, I just wanted to give you guys a trigger warning because we are talking about the issue of consent and situations that either involve consent and or maybe have not. So just wanted to give you a heads up and I hope you guys enjoy. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. I have a great episode for you today and I have Jared back with me. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here once yes. again. So we're going to get a little bit into, we're going to give a premise of the episode before we get into it. Um, but Jared, I wanted you to just kind of give a little quick introduction again of who you are, why you're here, because I, I think I have quite a few new listeners. So I just want them to be able to get to know you a little bit. Great. As discussed on the first episode I appeared in, which is episode two, I believe, uh, yes. my primary qualification for being here is that I'm your friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and when you were starting this, you were like, hey, do you want to And I was like, yeah. Um, so uh, we've been friends for a long time now. Yes. And I have, I guess, some minor qualifications for appearing on a, a program like this one, if you will. Those include that I've dated a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a master's in counseling psychology. And so I'm very interested in sort of therapy and relationships and, and I still do counseling like work, though I am definitely not a licensed clinician of any sort. And I have a PhD in education. I work with college students. Part of my job, as we'll talk about with our guests later is, um, educating students around health and wellness. And there's some like relationship stuff in that um, Mm -hmm. that we talk about. And I'm just kind of passionate about wellness and about people sort of being happy and treating each other with kindness and stuff like that. So that's me. Yeah, I love that. And, and one of the reasons why I asked you to kind of be a part of this project and in any way that you wanted to, um, was because you're very emotionally intelligent. Like, I think I appreciate that you're very aware of your feelings. You're aware of other people's feelings. You have a sensitive soul. And so I, I just knew you were kind of the perfect fit for, especially for some of these kind of deeper, um, harder episodes that we have. So I really appreciate you being here. Oh, I appreciate that. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's also interesting. Like, cause I, I try to own that I am, sort of like a non-traditional dude. Like I, I am sensitive, right? And when people say that word, especially when it applies to men, it like cuts both ways. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times you're going to be like, oh, I want a man who's like sensitive, who will understand. And then the other way is like, stop being so sensitive. Like, God, mm-hmm. you know, right? And it's yeah. like, well, you can't get one without the other. Right. And so I don't know, that's how it's been in my, in my life. But I, yeah, I, I think it's important to, have a perspective and 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 invite people probably especially men into like a deeper understanding of themselves and like because I think a lot of that like typical guy reaction comes from 
being afraid of our emotions and like, uh, you know, like, like literally the way men are socialized, like the only emotion it's okay to express if you're a man is anger, Mm -hmm. you know, like men kind of are, are like unmanly, right? If they are sad or if they start crying in a movie or whatever, when, when were you and I at the movies recently, like a year ago? And you were like, are you crying? And I was like, it's the end of the movie. And I, <laughs> and was it Britney runs a marathon? Yes. Yeah. Actually, and there was an earthquake during that movie. That was a big earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I didn't know if you were crying over the movie or. <laughs> Stop. I was, not, I was like, I'm just so flustered from the earthquake. <laughs> well, Anyway, so let's just kind of talk a little bit about what's going on in our lives. Is there, yeah. what's going on in your life? Man, nothing. Just crying at movies. Uh, <laughs> and also earthquakes. And um, lots of work. You've been working a lot. Yes, yes. Lots of work. Um, it's interesting, actually. I've been trying to, it's weird now that I'm like a little older, you know, like when I started, I, I still kind of think of myself as like the 25 year old, like that I was when I like started in, in this field and in the office, I'm definitely like the older, like middle-aged guy kind of. Um, and I think that, I think people perceive me differently. And so I've been thinking about like my role and, and I sort of supervise some people and I have like leadership roles in these different ways. And so I've been trying to actually like figure out like how I can be more, like vulnerable uh, mm. with the people at work because mm. I'm also like incredibly, it's incredibly important to me to do my job really well. Mm-hmm. And it really bothers me when students are hurt in some way or disadvantaged mm. in some way because we didn't do a good job. And mm. so I'm trying to like balance that with also being, real and open and vulnerable and, and caring with like all of the, it's very easy for me to be that way with students, but with like everyone I work with. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to like bring more of that into work. That's That's, great. That's probably like more than you wanted, but I don't know. Well, have you been, did that when we recorded the episode on vulnerability, were you like, yeah, now, now's the time. Yeah. That really broke open something (laughs) inside of me. (laughs) Um, well, I do want to like try and keep this intro kind of short for you guys, but there's so much we have to talk about. So I'll yes, go. Tell, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to update you guys. I think a couple episodes ago, I had talked about how a guy had reached out to me that I had gone on a date with a couple months ago. We had met on hinge. We were talking for weeks. He was out of the country. We finally went on a date and then I freaked out. If you listen to episode five, I was like, crying and it wasn't necessarily about this guy but it was about the dating anxieties that I have and so anyway he reached out and I asked him why he reached out and he said well I never stopped being interested in you so I'm like oh okay one of the main reasons we had gone separate ways is because he wants kids and I was really unsure well and he was kind of like not into the anxiety so Anyway, so we started kind of texting and he was very flirty, like telling me how attractive I was. And I was kind of interested. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like, you know, we're both in quarantine. Maybe this is the time we're supposed to be talking. And so anyway, then it got a little like really flirty and kind of some sexting stuff. And we talked about meeting up and maybe having a social distance date or walking, grabbing tacos, whatever. 
Oh, and I said, I did say, hey, listen, I just want to make sure we're on the same page, right? Like we still want different things, right? And he's like, yeah, no, totally. But then as the time went and I- Wait, can I just stop you for a second? No. If you're walking and grabbing tacos, you have to call them walkos. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, you guys. I just couldn't. I could. I like. I thought of it, and then I could not say it. It was making me giggle on the inside. Oh. So, anyways, goodness. so you were talking about getting Walkos, but then, but then, what happened? Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, so then we had this Facetime call, and there was chemistry, and we kept talking, and I was like, kind of starting to feel it, and I was like, oh, maybe I am interested, like in this guy, and you know, I don't know if I want kids, and. I was in a relationship that was not secure with a man that was avoidant and I didn't feel fully loved. And so I don't know if being in a relationship where I felt that security, where I felt that deep love, if I would want kids, I don't know that. But it's scary for me to say, yes, 100% I want kids because what if I end up that I don't, right? Mm -hmm. So he started pulling back. So right when I started getting excited, he pulled back and I kind of called him out on it. And he was like, yeah, I think we just went a little too far with kind of the sexing thing. And you're right. Like we both want different things, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it ended up in kind of this like text argument of me just being pissed now Mm. because really like he reached out. He said he was still interested. He kept saying how attractive I was. He was showing the interest. And even though we had talked about how we wanted different things, like if we wanted different things and you weren't really interested in maybe going something, then why reach out at all? Mm. And, you know, his last, one of his last texts to me was basically like, you're just not my person. And it just, it pissed me off. I was frustrated. I was hurt all over again. I felt used, even though I don't think that was his intention. I think he mm-hmm. just got kind of caught up. He's in quarantine. He's lonely. He's attracted to me. Um, so anyway, so I just cut things off. He said, don't reach out to me again. And I had to kind of work through it. I called you. We talked about it. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that that is done. So that was what happened to me. So then after that, a few days later, I'm like, okay, you know, it's been six weeks since I've dated or talked to anyone or been on the dating apps. I'll just try and go on Hinge again and see what happens. And I have some stories for you guys. So actually- Oh, so you're back already. I'm back on Hinge. Okay. So so we have a a segment after the main part of the episode that's called Hinge Fucking Nightmares. So (laughs) I'm just going to share a couple. I mean, I've only been on the app for like three days and I already have like so many things. So um. So yeah, so I'm back on on the apps and I have a FaceTime call on Friday with someone that I'm not sure about, but oh. you know, who knows? Hey. Yeah. You, you'll know one way or the other after the FaceTime call. I know. Question uh, about the dude. Yeah. Do you think he was like cool with things as long as it was like on the just kind of casual flirty? Yeah. Like, and then as soon as it got real, he was like, oh, yes. I, I, I wasn't actually... Like, like yeah. he kind of started getting more than he bargained for. Yes, I think so. I think he started realizing, I, I mean, it's a, like, this is just such a classic thing for me. It's like, right when I start to feel kind of attached and maybe I'm a little needier, then they're like, oh shit, you know, she's not as chill and cool as I thought she was of just being like casual and I need to back off. 
what hurts the most, I think, is that sudden switch for for the guy of talking to me, into me, and then I feel the pullback. I feel it every yeah. time, and I yeah. know it in my gut. And every time, it feels like an abandonment. And it's not from that person. It brings up a trigger of a past abandonment. So it's mm. not like I'm not in love with this person. I'm not thinking about this person constantly. But what it does is it just like triggers that deep loss. So yeah. I mean, just like <laughs> listening to you, it feels like, fuck, like, how did I get here again? Like in this yes. shitty place that really hurts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of what happened. And I was kind of blue for a couple of days and the and last back to hinge. And then I went back on hinge <laughs> and then I was blue for a couple of days of realizing what is out there. And now I'm feeling a little bit more myself. So, yeah. okay. So I want to get you guys into the episode. I apologize. This intro is a little long, um, but I wanted to just kind of clarify. So our guest is one of Jared's really good friends and she's highly educated, so good and knowledgeable about what she does. So essentially this is another episode on consent and mm -hmm. she just brings a different flair to it and really talks about how consent requires effective communication, not just in a sexual setting, but she really talks a lot about how the communication needs to start before, uh, before mm -hmm. you even meet the person on the first date. And so I just want to, you guys to be able to track along. Essentially, you know, Jared comes in and says, Hey, listen, we just want to know your thoughts on our consent is sexy episode, which is episode three. Mm -hmm. And she kind of gives some thoughts and then she goes into kind of how she kind of talks with her clients and students about how to create positive boundaries and communication within this topic. Yeah. And I mean, and I think it's what I love about the episode and the, especially the conversation that you and Erica have towards the end is, you know, this idea of communicating well is helpful in so many ways in terms of consent, but it's also kind of like, okay, how do we sort of stand in our truth and own our truth? even when we really like somebody and, and we want them to like us and stuff like that. And so like that kind of holding on to yourself is such a cool, empowering thing. And I love watching her teach that and everything like that. Erica also, I don't know if she says it in the episode, but she does not mention the name of her employer, similar to me and similar to your sister, Krista, when she was yes. on Leanna. And so, um, you know, Erica just wanted to make sure that we mention, like, you know, what she says in the episode represents only her and her alone and yes. in no way reflects on her employer or school or employers past or present, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, if you haven't listened to Consent is Sexy, that's okay. You're still going to be able to follow along with this episode. And maybe when you're done, go back and check that episode out. But I am so excited. This is such a treat for you guys. So I hope you enjoy. All right, so this guest is the Title IX coordinator at a university. She holds a master's degree from Syracuse University in Student Affairs Counseling, is a certified national counselor. She is a trained sexual assault advocate in the state of California, is a trained Title IX investigator, and is pursuing her doctorate in social justice education Please welcome Erica Moore. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, of course. Yay, that was welcome, Erica. What a, like what a prestigious introduction. 
I know. Well, okay. So I felt like a little uh, conflicted about that, but I wanted people to feel like, well, who is this chick and why does her opinion matter? So I wanted to like throw some legitimacy there. Like I've been studying and doing this for a minute, but also like, I'm from Michigan. I'm young. I date. I love your podcast. I listened to actually a couple episodes. Um, oh, to thank you. Be a part of this conversation, and I like the vibe. So I wanted to show some legitimacy, but also just hopefully have a cool vibe with you all in a cool conversation. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that so much. Why don't you, before we kind of jump into the main topic, which is probably going to get a little deep. Um, can you just tell us some, some facts about yourself? Like how old you are, where you're, you said you're from Michigan. Um, what, let's see, are you single? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm 33. I'm single, never married and no children. Oh my God. And then my thirties. So as you all can imagine, (laughs) all the things, yeah, like all the things come up though. So I think that's an interesting, um, I, I really appreciate that question because I think context matters and identities matter in these conversations and cultures matter. So I'm biracial. I am uh, grew up in the suburbs. Um, I went to Syracuse University in upstate New York. Then I moved to California. I've lived in California for about five years now. Y'all are different. Um, West Coast vibe is very, very different. Well, and Redlands is very different. Redlands is different than Detroit, different than Syracuse, different than San Diego. Um, so yeah, so I, that's a little bit about me and my travels so far. Are you? So you're not dating or talking to anyone right now. Um, so I'm always talking to someone, which is very interesting <laughs> in my life. Yeah. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, I'm never one of those people who ha- their phone is dry. Like the kids would say, uh, my phone stays popping. Um, it stays a little wet. It stays a little wet. Uh, I definitely keep my, like I keep people. Um, I like to date. I do like to like go out and meet new people. My weeks are very heavy and can be dark. Um, in terms of the work that I do. So my after work care is really important between like gym or like whatever hobbies I'm into. So I'm always like really busy and I demand high level conversation. So I'm not mm. like you, Leanna, I'm not doing what's your favorite color. I'm not, I cannot, I can, you cannot, what's your favorite color? <laughs> you um, I will not participate. I cannot do it. And so I run into meeting a lot of unicorn men men who are also highly educated, accomplished men, good looking men. Um, and they, you know, good credit, they've traveled and they're like, yeah, like you should worship me. Right. And I'm like, no, you should worship me. Like I'm the diva of this situation. (laughs) I love that Um, so much. So we could like my, I haven't found an energy that doesn't collide. It's like, yeah. And sometimes it collides and it's a really, really good date night. And then other the next day it'll collide and it's a horrific conversation about like why you like your women short or how you like biracial chicks or something just really creepy and weird. You know, what are you? What's your nationality? Like if you don't know the difference between nationality and ethnicity, like we're not going to vibe. Like it's not going to work. Yep. Um, yeah. I can't imagine what an extra layer that adds to dating like, you know, it, it's just, it's dating is hard enough as, as is. So being a biracial woman, like, I can't imagine that it makes it even harder. And it's, yeah, like that question, like, what are you? 
I have come to terms with like a fairness of it in terms of how our brains categorize and work. Like I like to know if someone's born and raised from California or if they've come here because there's two mm-hmm. different types of California people and this yep. matters. This I've learned <laughs> that in the five years, like that matters to me. So I, I don't, I'm not opposed to that because I think it says, it could say a lot about culture norming or, um, oh, she, she talks with her hands a lot or when she's really excited she talks louder like it could it could help so it's not I'm not I'm not opposed to the questions of asking more like where are you from how did you grow up or you know absolutely yeah I'm opposed to it when it's like and I only date light-skinned chicks with curly hair because I'm mixed my brother is a dark-skinned man you I don't know what I'm gonna have I could have a dark-skinned baby with red hair I could have a light-skinned baby with dark I mean just no telling (laughs) so like for me to meet a man who says something like that is very problematic for me and like Absolutely. how I see like my futures. So yeah. And especially out here uh, in this lovely place called the Inland Empire, which is strange. <laughs> so, it's, it's very, it's a complex relationship with identity and sex and in honestly degrees like socioeconomic status mm. or, or degrees or passport having like these concepts are colliding in this like area that doesn't match my stereotypes or definitions of who a California man is. So that's also mm-hmm. been interesting to navigate in terms of dating mm-hmm. and having to have those conversations with people that you all talked about. Yeah. So, well, yeah, Jared, do you want to kind of like sure. take, take us into, okay. Yeah, so I'm super excited that Erica, uh, that you've joined us today. Erica and I know each other. Erica, you are an amazing person in this field. Uh, so it's been a passion of mine to try to get you on the podcast. To talk more about consent, healthy relationships, healthy sexuality, all kinds of things. So You know, if you want to go back and listen to episode three, if you haven't already, or you want to refresh yourself, do it, but we're going to explain everything anyway. So I'm sure it'll be fine either way. But so Erica, what, like, I I just want you to kind of take it away. Like, what are the things that you maybe disagreed with or the things that we missed? Or what are your reactions to the previous conversation Leanne and I had around the issue of consent? I loved how vulnerable you both were in sharing dating stories, um, open and honestly, and how you've navigated these difficult conversations. Because I think one of the things I think is just like really important is we expand our understanding of these difficult conversations. So what I mean by that is typically you have the one best friend you tell the awkward sex story to, or Mm -hmm. the the really messed up thing to like only one or two people know that. Mm -hmm. But I have a theory It's untested, but I have a theory. We used to have more social norms around dating. Pick the person up at the door, you know, shake their father's hand. Like we see these things in in some of the movies, right? Like we had an agreement Like those first dates were friend dates, group things. There wasn't this anticipation of sex. There was like, there was some social norming that we agreed to. And a lot of that had to do with the technology we had available at the time. So if you think about it from another perspective, we all watched the same family shows at one point. We only had access to the same, you know, five or 10 shows. And so we understood dating and family life from these perspectives. But then we got Netflix and then we got 
you know, unlimited internet on our phones and we got all, so now we all have a variety of things. We're not all watching the same things. We don't all agree. We don't all have the same social norms and we do not all get the same access to sex education. So you now we have a confusion of people having to navigate emotions and feelings and intimacy and sex and those all of those desires with no skills to have the difficult conversations around them. So I really, 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 really appreciated the the space and I hope that it continues to encourage people to think about how they process their difficult moments and how they expand themselves or open themselves up to hearing other people's tips and things and you know what happened and what they did um because i think it's really helpful so that's one thing that's such a fascinating point i think because yeah we all like literally like people kind of our age we all were watching full house and we all watched family matters and whatever else right like and, and you would watch like as like the high school characters would date and you would kind of get this like acculturation of, of what that's like. I also felt like you were talking a little bit about like part of what's gone is, as I was thinking about it, like courtship. Like this idea that it's kind of a process, like, or no. Yes and no, because here's the thing. We all have, we know what it is. We, we all know what a courtship is or dating is. Like we, have, we all have the same terms, but we don't all have the same definitions. And so that's my point. So when you say to somebody, like one of the biggest things, and, and Jared, you know this, like when we talk with the college students, we have to ask them to define hookup. Mm-hmm. I, define what you mean. Because hookup to me, I, I would approach the conversation and think, oh, okay, like they were casually having sex. That would have been my definition. But some of them describe it as making out. Some of them describe it as making out or like with them and their roommate in the same night. Like there's all these variations of the same topic of hooking up. Do you know what I mean? So I guess what I would say is we all know what courtship is. Some of us desire it, but none of us, we're not all working from the same working definition when we talk about it. And then we don't know how to talk about it. So, Leanna, to your point, when you you talk a a little bit about over communicating or oversharing or feeling like you're getting some feedback that you're too much. And so the question becomes, well, when do you have these conversations? When do you tell someone? When do you make sure that you have the same working definition? Is it the first date? Is it the third one? Is it right before you're going to have sex? Is it right after you're going to have sex? Is it only about sex? Is it the dream of meeting my mama one day? Like, what are all the things? So context then becomes working definitions, context. Are we all talking about the same thing? But we all don't even agree on the same things. And so we don't even have a baseline to start with. Like at least everyone gets math. Like the math, you, you learn math. Like it's math. <clears throat> now now they're teaching new methods, which is weird. You know, this new <laughs> math thing. Um, but I don't have to understand your method as long as the math is right. Like the number, how you solve the problem is right. They were still doing that piece of it, right? But we're not doing that in so many other social contexts. And I'll stop ranting about that or that tangent, but I will conclude it with saying that that is why I'm incredibly immensely passionate about access to sex education, K through 12, Um, understanding your holistic sex education. So understanding your body, 
from hormones, understanding sexuality, understanding um, illnesses and, and disease with your body, understanding dating. How, how to, because to me, when you teach sex ed from a holistic point, when you're able to have a conversation about how to date, you're actually having a conversation about boundaries and values and how to communicate that to somebody else and how to see it in someone else and be like, I don't think we vibe. Your energy don't mm-hmm. speak to my energy. Don't speak to that value. Like I'm trying to be somebody's mama one day. You trying to be out here just getting passport stamps. We don't want the same things, but you can still be a good person. We could be friends. We're not teaching people how to do that. And so we default to a lot of like guilty, b- victim blaming, shaming, the girl who didn't text you back, like all the mm-hmm. things, the ghosting. So I'm a a big proponent of sex education and making sure that we're all, and and to your point, Leanna, which I really loved about the last episode, you talked about oversharing. And there's some interesting concepts about that because Jared, you and I were talking about this with the Love is Blind Netflix show. Mm-hmm. If y'all haven't checked this show out, y'all, oh, this is a goodie. This is a good binge yeah, of quarantine. It's, it's insane. But Erica, I, I, can you, mm-hmm. sorry, can you, uh, which episode was it where I was oversharing? No, no, no. Do you, you remember? You talked about in the third episode, you said that people give you feedback that you overshare or you can be a little much on them. And I found oh, that okay, okay, fascinating okay. because it's the same concept that I have with the Love and Blind show. It's the same concept that I have with myself. Well, when should you pass your favorite color? Because to your point, Jared, it's like, well, how was your day? I don't want to talk about that with a stranger. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about my favorite color. But I don't want to tell nobody what my college student loan debt is either. So when when do we have, we don't have any norming about the courtship now. So we don't know how to have these conversations. Because when I watched the Love is Blind show, y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. The Barnett story, when I don't remember her name, but when, when Homegirl came in the kitchen and she told this man that she had all this college debt and she didn't graduate and she ain't got no job and her dream is to be a housewife and to marry him in the next couple of days, if I was Barnett, I would have been like, deuce, like, you, no way. I'm not. You yeah. should have told me that in the pods. You should have told me that in the pods because I would have told I you. Know. No, thank you. But he was I cool know. with it. But if you look at I the know. other couple where the guy didn't tell her about his sexual uh, his sexuality, you know, she was like, you should have told me that in the pods when we were talking about getting married and picking out kids' names and talking. Like, so when are you supposed to tell someone your things? And how does that yeah. ruin the first date or inspire a second date? I don't think we have mm-hmm. the answers to those things. And, and I think part of dating, right, you know, because Erica, you brought up boundaries earlier, right? And that's boundaries, not just sort of like physically, like when we're doing stuff or when I feel comfortable with you, but boundaries of like how much I'm going to tell you about myself on date one, on date two, on date five, right? Because, you know, let's say I have a trauma history, you know, or I have, you know, maybe some form of PTSD or, or, or whatever. So when, when, when should I roll that out? Because, and that's a two part question. When is it going to feel safe for me? And also to the love of his blind thing, like, when is it going to feel too late to the other person of like, oh, well, you owed me this explanation earlier. You owed me this explanation right out of the gate right now. I happen to believe, right. If somebody is in some ways, queer identified right there's something a little gender queer about them or whatever they don't owe you that like right up front you know because especially because of like 
the violence queer people can face and things like that. It, but, 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 but then before maybe engagement. <laughs> yes. Before engagement, but also we're talking about love is blind where like, what was that? Like five days into knowing each other or something like that. Yeah. But still, but so many of them got it popping on that first night that they got to meet each other. I know with, with the understanding that they signed up for this super intimate sharing in the pods experience that I just, I agree with you, Jared, and I'm conflicted and I'm conflicted about this in my personal life and dating because of my own holding back of the things I will share um, and the things I just absolutely won't. And, and I asked myself and that show really brought that up for me. Like I journaled maybe four or five journals were about what I would and wouldn't tell someone and why. Mm, um, interesting. And, and a lot of my defaults were about protecting myself. Like if you choose, like I can survive a broken heart, but I can't survive regret. And I do not want to overshare and be completely wide open to somebody. So I'm like, oh my God, I have the butterflies. I have the feeling five days into it. And then like, you're trashing me on social media with those text messages or you're, you're, cause I don't know you and I don't know what mm-hmm. you would do. You know what I mean? So I just think that there's a lot So I guess the the next topic I would bring up to to muddy it up even further or make it even harder to have these conversations is what does it mean to trust another person and how have we learned to trust ourselves in dating? And I think this becomes interesting to think about it from this concept because often, you know, people will say things like, I didn't, I didn't tell them that but i wish i thought they would pick it pick up on it based on my body language or based on like my one word response why didn't we tell them that like what what held us back from saying i'm not into threesomes and i'm never gonna be and, and and the reason why I bring trust in it and I want to bring it back to ourselves, it's like in the last episode, we talked a lot about what the other person can be doing. And I was curious about well, what are our responsibilities and what mm-hmm. and what are the things that stop us from being able to talk about our boundaries? And so trust became something important to me because how I trust myself and my integrity versus how I'm bolstering my ego and protecting my ego. Like these are different concepts about our abilities to be truthful. And like, which version of me are you going to get? Are you going to get the academic version? The one that's leading with like, don't come for me. Like I got multiple degrees and I got good credit and I take care of myself. Or are you going to get like fun? I, I'm kind of a nerd, but I love to shop and I go to a lot of concerts version of me. Like it's all going to depend on do I, the context of how we are engaging and what's feel safe and trusting here. And that's going to lead to what we actually share or don't share. And so I think context is of like, so the last episode, y'all talked a lot about um, how alcohol and, and how we meet people in those kinds of contexts mm-hmm. um, can perpetuate or derail, you know, what we truly want uh, or what we truly even want to communicate. Um, so I think, these are interesting, interesting concepts about the reflection of us. I, I really appreciated Jared, you know, what you shared at no point is anything that I'm sharing 
says that anything is your fault if you've been assaulted or have experienced a trauma. It's always the fault of the person who inflicted that harm on you. Always. Doesn't matter how much you drank, doesn't matter where you were, doesn't matter what you said or didn't say. Someone who crosses boundaries that way and to hurt another individual and change that person's sense of self or sense of safety is always their fault. But if we're talking about how you go to a first date and what do you say or don't say and what you feel comfortable saying about what your boundaries are and what you feel comfortable um, and why are all, I think, important things to explore. Um, no judgment, but to, to explore. Um, so one of the things yeah. I teach college students um, so this is like my one trick, my one, like if I had game, this is my game. Um, I play 21 questions with people when I meet them. Um, it's a flirty text way of like talking back and forth. Um, I started off with a pretty like intense, I say intense question just to like set the playing field that like you can come for me, bro. Like the rules are. 21 questions, you can't repeat the question the other person, the previous person asked, and you have to answer. Like you can't one word it, you can't be vague. Um, so often my first question is, when's the last time you had sex? You're not about to be jumping off somebody else and jumping on me. Like, let's be clear. Like, let's get to <laughs> when's the last time you've been tested, what's going on. So, like, that's that's a value of mine. That's like one of your, wait, when's the last time you've been tested is like question two? No, I will teeter between when's the last time you had sex to when's the last time you've been tested. Okay, wait, um, hold on, hold on. So you're talking about, so like, is this through like a dating app? Sometimes I do it on dating app. Sometimes I do it like so, after a first date. Has there been any superficial talking back and forth before this? Oh, or yeah, do you yeah, just yeah. come right out of the gate? When's no, no, the last no. time you had sex? No, no, no. Like I, if I vibe with you, like we've had some surface level conversation. I'm like, oh, you yeah. seem like somebody I want to like, spend some energy with over the next few days and get to know. But for me, I got to see how your mind works before I invest too much energy. So mm. 21 yeah. questions for me is a good like, oh, okay, like we have a vibe and maybe we've exchanged numbers or like you asked me for my Instagram so you could look at more pictures to make sure I'm real or whatever. Okay, cool. Now we're like actually talking. Um, I play 21 questions. What That's are what are idea. some other questions that you ask? Um, what's one goal that you have before the end of the year? I want to see what kind of grind or hustle they got. If they're like, no, nah, I'm just cool working at the factory. I'm like, I'm good. Because <laughs> um, I study on the weekend. So I need someone who can understand my balance. Um, let me think. What other questions do I ask? Okay, this is embarrassing. Don't judge me. Uh, but I think it's important because I want to get to the like what we talk about here. I'll ask yeah. hair, no hair, or some hair. I'm talking about like mm. bad pubic hair area. preferences. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so, okay, but I have a question about this. Okay. Okay. So, are you at the point? Like, is this at the point for you? Because okay, so here's my thought on this. I personally try and stay away from any conversation that could lead to sexual talk because when I start to have that conversation, because I, I like asking questions like that too. And it's not because I want to, that person to jump in my pants. It's because I'm just like, I think it's just a natural form of communication when you're trying to date someone. Right. But what I found is for men, 
when you start asking those questions or you show that you're a sexual person at all, they're like, oh, um, you know, now, like now game on, it's on, I'm going to try and get in her pants because she's the one that brought it up. So what is like, I'm just curious, what has your response been to asking those questions as kind of like a first question thing? Um, Do you feel like it's has led to things sooner than you wanted it to? Like, I don't know, that's in just in my experience, it has. So I typically steer away from that. Again, like these are not all my first questions. So I ask like, <laughs> questions. I ask like where you went to school. I ask like if you've ever been in a fraternity. You know, did you study? Like I ask some of these other things. I think about like I ask them. You know, top five songs, last songs you've listened to, last concert. Like, I ask questions around, like, values. Okay, so I just want to say that. But to your point... Yeah, no, there's no judgment here. Yeah, no, there's no but judgment. to your point, um, I am not a grab-my-face-and-kiss-me and type of girl. I am not the Little Mermaid. Do not just kiss me. I need to know that these things are going to happen. And when these things are going to happen, I need you to know where my lines are. This is my opportunity to play this game where it's like, I don't do anal. I do not swallow. And you cannot tie me up. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Like These are hard, hard no's. These are hard no's. Tie up maybe, but like hard no's. Like do not... come at me like that bro like I don't play like that like that's not funny I'm not good I'm not being coy it's also my way of communicating to them that I am a direct communicator I don't laugh if it ain't funny and I am not gonna fake nothing including an orgasm so you like when I say stop I mean it and when I when I'm down or I'm there I'm there And you can trust me in that because I do think that's my responsibility. I don't want it to be ambiguous when we get there because I do not want it. And so like, when's the last time you've been tested is my way of sharing my value that there needs to be condoms. I don't have a child, not because I'm a crazy person and nobody wanted to marry me or anything of that nature. It's because I know where children come from and I'm a responsible adult. These questions allow me to share boundaries values and to test if our energies match like are we even on the same page and I will be honest with you I've had mm, maybe two or three boyfriends out of the 21 questions game like we started there we went on dates like it prompted more conversations Um, I get a lot of positive feedback in terms of like meeting online dating and then doing this game because they're like, it's just different. It's a different flow of conversation. It's mm-hmm. structured for them. So it like helps a guy like know what to say next. Like a lot of guys say like, I'm interested in her, but like, I don't know what else to say. And I don't want to be the, a lot, I hear men say things like, I don't want to be the creep and ask for a number first. Or I don't know. Like I want to make sure she feels comfortable. So I don't know when to like take this off this app and how to do it in a way that doesn't feel creepy. Um, especially like in our eight, in my age group, I'll just speak for myself. Like, and in your thirties, bro, if you're coming at me, like, what's your Snapchat? What's your Insta? Like, no, <laughs> you didn't even have that in high school. Like, can you ask me for my number? Can we like move this along as <laughs> yeah. grown up? I think so. I'm 33 as well, but I also think to, like Snapchat is is dying. Like, I think any like even in your 20s, if you still have your Snapchat, like on your Bumble profile, like it's got to go. But here's the thing. 
And here's another thing though. I kind of like it. And let me tell you why. Recently, someone ghosted me, which has been messing with me a little bit. Cute guy. Uh, we messaged all day in the quarantine. I don't, I don't remember what day it was, but we went back and forth all day. Spent a lot, so many long days. Right. We exchanged phone numbers. We had an hour conversation. The conversation was flirty and we both were laughing. It was a good vibe, right? Then he sends, we get off the phone. He sends me a text and he says, can I get more pictures? And in my head, I'm like, no, like why? What? That's such a weird flow. From Ew, I hate that so much. And I was like, what are you going to do with the pictures? No, oh. that's gross. No, no, I don't care. Don't answer the question. No. And so this is what my exact response was. Thinking I was being funny and flirty in the same way I had been all day. I said, nah, you're Gucci. Talk to you tomorrow. And he said, for real? Question mark. And I said, yeah, LOL. And then my yeah, LOL went green and he blocked me. And I was like, he blocked me. And then he deleted me from the online dating thing. And I'm like, yo, I sent this creep like two pictures. I talked to this dude all day and I have no idea why I just got blocked. So I'm like now more of a fan of the Snapchat because at least the messages delete. And I'm like, whoa. Mm. If you're not feeling me, at least there's like no record of, of us talking either. So again, no judgment to the how people well, are out there communicating. Yeah. D- you know, I feel like there's so many things you've said that have just reinforced this idea that we're all just guessing, right? We're all coming with our idea of like where we're coming from and our experiences. And we're just, we have no idea of what the other person is working with. And like in this example, like this dude, for whatever reason, felt like you had broken some sort of major rule, like 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 that he was owed more pictures and, of you. And whatever. the thing that made me so like, like I just, I cannot figure out how I got blocked. We have iPhones. So if, if pictures are just confirming that it was really me mattered so much, why didn't you hit the FaceTime button? Like, yeah. Well, but that's not why he was asking for pictures. I, that's what I'm like. Let's be real. Like, like, no way. like, you know, and so you don't, you don't want to talk with someone like that anyway. No, well, which is yeah. fine. But like, also, you know, I said like how many siblings I had and how my siblings have cooler names than me. And like, he has a text record of that where Snapchat doesn't do like, so again, trust mm-hmm safety how do we communicate what how much do we communicate it made me feel like nervous about my sisters like Mm. i told them my sister's names like i didn't say their last Mm. names but just what can you do with names these days i don't know i didn't like it well and even i mean even this idea that we're all just sort of guessing and like like stumbling around in the dark with each other like even what you said and why so many men really appreciate this 21 questions thing of it gives structure. It's like, I, I, I want to, you know, and, and there's so many guys that are just guessing of like, well, maybe we should talk about like real deeper stuff. 
And then sometimes women like that and sometimes they don't. And then it's like, well, maybe I'm supposed to be like a little bit flirty now. And like you two are the perfect example of you're on opposite ends of the spectrum there where if I do something, if I, if a guy does that with Erica, she's like, okay, cool. Yeah, we could, we could joke around and flirt a little bit, but Leanna might be like, no, like no way. And so everyone's just guessing. And what's interesting, Erica, is your 21 questions is an example of what I think happens all the time, which is one person sort of takes the wheel you know, a little bit and goes, okay, well, you know, now, now this is how this is going to go. And the other person comes along for the ride or doesn't. Right. And I think it's really interesting that, that you take that wheel. And, and I think I appreciate you bringing this dimension in because to tie it, I, I think it's important to talk about this in terms of dating and just the talking and the emotional trust, but even to get back to consent, like it's a really important point and, and I, and not, I, I don't find this to be victim blaming at all, but that communication is the responsibility of both people in any kind of sexual encounter or sexual activity. And a lot of times, like it's not happening for, for one reason or another. I think that's what's interesting about affirmative consent. So New York and California are affirmative consent states. So this means yes means yes. So this idea of, you get a, you get an affirmative, hell yeah, enthusiastic, informed, so sober, not incapacitated. You can't be incapacitated yes. at every escalation of sexual um, act. So, so it will go something like this if it was written in the law books, like which it is. This is the law, um, but this is how it would play out. Hey, can I touch your? Can, can I can I kiss you? Can, can I touch your booty? Can we take your shirt off now? Like this is what consent at every escalation is, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's this thing where it says it can be given by word or action. So now this idea of trying it, like I'm going to lean in. And if you lean in back, well, you're kissing me back. So does that mean I can try for your shirt? Okay, well, if you push my sh- hand down, then I won't try for the shirt. But then I might try to grab on your butt a little bit. But then if you're cool with that, then maybe I'll try for the shirt again. So now we're still not directly communicating things, right? But in that level of interaction, the conversation is going to be asked, the question is going to be asked to both parties. In what ways did you think you had consent? And in what ways did the consent be with, was withdrawn? Mm. And so now it's both people's responsibility. And so, you know, you'll ask someone and they'll be like, yeah, I kissed them back because I was really nervous. Okay. Do you think that this other person then knew that you were really nervous? Or that you might have wanted to kiss slower. So this conversation about how we communicate and how we empower people. And I'm going to get to this, how we empower women, because I think this is Mm -hmm. where this gets harder. To say what you want in in these types of situations. So I lost my train of thought because I got on the women part. Um, That's okay. Well, no, but this idea of, you know, I, in the consent is sexy episode, we talked a lot about sort of gender roles and how we're all socialized in this country. Right. The idea is that women are socialized to be nice and in a lot, and in a lot of ways to like make men feel good. Right. And, and, and there's even like this added pressure now to be like kind of the cool chick who's like down for stuff and like, 
you know, not like a regular girl, like you're cool, like you get it, like you can hang with the guys. And so I, I think, you know, what, what you're describing, Erica, is something we see all the time with students. And it's really sad because there's so many young people who have really bad sexual experiences and experience like really like behavior that is traumatic and, and violating to them because they did not feel empowered or able to really like use their voice in some way. Cause you know, like I, I've, I've sat with people who have said things like, well, I didn't say no, but I just, you know, I, I just assumed that this person would pick it up because of my body language or whatever. Hey, and, and yeah. Here's the thing. Yes means yes is an awesome, like philosophical approach. It, it, it says that we both have to get the consent, but we didn't teach women how to give or get the consent. Yeah. So there, there's this modification. So let me, let's put a pin in that and go back mm-hmm. to what we used to have is no means no. And what this education said was that women were empowered and that a woman who screams for her life and says no and kicks you in the nuts really means no. And then you had all of these, right? Yep. I'm with you with the eye roll. Like, yeah, it's like, okay, that's a, so I have to scream for my life for you to stop. You don't have to like ask me and we don't have to have any kind of prior conversation, but it's on me. The onus is on the woman to to scream. And there's many, many reasons why women can't and do not fight back in these types of situations for many, many different reasons. Yep. Okay, so we have this no means no, right? But we also, in that education, there was a lot of education about what women were going to say and do in these moments. We've shifted to a yes means yes. And now it feels, it feels not saying it is, but one of the symptoms of this is, is that, well, he didn't ask. So I froze. Just because he didn't ask doesn't mean you can't say. So because we're not teaching holistic sex education in a yes means yes place, where it's empowering to both individuals. And I'm talking in um, heteronormative ways right now. Um, for some, some, I learned what that word means. Just, just for this conver- for, for this conversation, but it's complex. But I mean all. So I don't mean w- one one sex or the other. But anyone engaging, we have not given them the tools to have that level of conversation. So therein, for me, therein lies an issue. Women are not weak. Women, we are not weak. We do not, we need to wait for someone to ask us to kiss. We can initiate or say things, but here's the caveat to that. As, as these laws are changing and as social norms are changing, you know what hasn't changed though? Slut shaming. So you want me to, guys will be like, and this me too movement, you know, I don't know these days. So I just like keep my hands to myself and don't say anything. You know, you got to be real. Let me know what you want. Okay. All right, cool. But then when I tell you, oh, I like it like this. And you say, oh, shit. How many people have you done that with? And there it goes. See, now I can't be nobody's mama. Now I'm not a wife material. Now I'm just some chick out here. And you're going to ask me dumbass questions like what my body count is. You didn't make it safe for me to say what I want or don't want because of your reactions to that. So again, we lack the ability to have the conversation and social norming that we all agree to. 
Yeah, so th- that's so interesting because what I'm recognizing, right, is that what you both described differently early on in the dating game is very different ways of getting at the same thing, which is kind of, can I trust you? Am I safe with you? And Erica, your version of that is like, yo, like, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about like, let's be direct. Let's be real. Let's do this stuff. And can you vibe with me and hang with me and take me telling you like it is how I feel, what I want, what I like, what I don't like. And Leanna's version is, can can you just be interested in me? And we are not going to talk about any of that shit. And I'm not going to be like, teasing you and trying to get your dick hard or whatever, you know, but is, is there actually going to be a genuine like non-sexual connection? And, and, and tell me if, tell me if, if, if that feels wrong or if I'm like projecting, but it well, seems like two very different ways of, of you both getting, f- feeling that sense of security and trust that you need to move to the next level with someone. The only thing I will add is that I do have all the other conversations. So this is like if I'm feeling you, if I think I'm going to go back to your house, then we're going to play 21 questions before I get there. Because there's no way I'm doing anything like that. But I I do have all the other conversations first. And I do desire a connection about you know, what I'm into and things prior to of that course. conversation. Of, yeah, of yeah. course, but yeah. but a guy getting a little flirty and sexual with you fairly early on, Erica, would not be the kind of deal breaker that it is for Leanna. You know, it's very interesting. It's not a deal breaker for me. It tends to be a deal breaker for them. Because if you want to play that game with me, I'm like the expert at playing the game. Like, let's do it. <laughs> the things that are going to make your face red are the things I talk about on a daily basis. With 18 to 25 year olds. I'm not scared. Let's go there. Like you, you're going to turn red before me. So if you're going to say it, then you're going to have to back it up. And so I think that what it's come across to men for me has been um, too forward, a man hater. Oh, you mu- you must have been hurt. That's why you do that work. Huh? Like somebody really hurt you, mm. which I like to clarify. I've never been raped. Um, that's not why I do this work. Uh, I'm a, I holistically and wholeheartedly believe that if you choose to have sex, it should be the best fucking sex of your life every time you have it. And in order to have the best sex of your life, there have, you have to understand each other's boundaries. Otherwise you're just having medium sex, if not violent sex. Like you're, it's not mind blowing if they're not that into you and they can't be that into you if they don't feel safe enough to tell you what they like and don't like. You might be licking on somebody's ear for 35 seconds and they hate that shit. You just went from a 10 to a six and you're never going to know because you didn't care enough to have a conversation about what you like or don't like. Like, that's what I teach college kids. Like, can I, um, so first of all, everything you said is so great. I love it. I, it's very empowering. But I want to kind of, you and I are both very confident, strong, outspoken, direct, honest women. And not all women are like that. And, you know, I have a a lot of friends in my life, relatives that are soft-spoken and are shy and aren't comfortable with being direct or honest. So, what advice would you give them in terms of one finding the confidence to speak up for themselves and two maybe finding some more subtle ways in which they can do that that aren't as direct as maybe you or I would take 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think that's why 21 questions for me is kind of a, a universal because you can choose what you want to talk about and you can set the stage, but it's you practicing boundaries. And so that is something that I've done several workshops on college campuses about. And that is the tip that I teach them um, from that perspective, that texting can be your way if you're not super comfortable to have that direct conversation in person it's your way it's the pre-qualifier it's to let you know if you can even get into the next step and you can decide from the comfort of your of your room that you don't want to go to that party with that person um you can you can send messages like which is why i say ghosting one-on-one like is blocking a tool or a weapon like Sometimes it can be that tool to exude your boundary to be like, no, you took it too far. Like I'm done. Like it can be a way of like communicating those different things. So I, I, I'm a proponent on you need to do what feels like you. I think that if you haven't asked yourself, what are your deal breakers? What are your boundaries? At what stages you're in and you're asking yourself that continuously as you're getting to know someone. That could be a first start because until you even know what they are, you don't know how to tell somebody. Like I know for a fact, like I'm not doing anal. Like I don't care how you try to, it's not going to happen. Like I'm not into it. I do not want to do that. Like I know that. Like no. <laughs> so if when these conversations come up about, well, have you, are you interested in you try different things? Like I know I can say no to that. Um, but I've, I've asked myself those questions. Like what would be like, no way. You know what I mean? When I, when I go dating and it's a first date, I do kind of think to myself like, okay, what are the things I'm absolutely not going to talk about? Have y'all ever had that week where you have a lot on your mind or you're going through it with your family or you're going through it with your best friend and you're like, ooh, this is a first date, so I probably shouldn't bring that up. Like, there's just certain things that you're like, okay, no to that. Like, that's going to be a boundary for me, um, et cetera. So I think exploring for yourself what are your deal breakers. There's like, you know, a lot of like whatever dating things about what are your non-negotiables or what are your things I think expanding that conversation to be like don't go gun shooting if you're not into guns like that's that's not just because you've never been on one of those first dates doesn't mean you should go to that like you're not into that you're sending the wrong message to this person it's wasted energy like nah don't don't just don't go but yeah. sometimes we get into these spaces where we're like, wow, they're super consistent and they're really nice. And maybe I shouldn't be judgy. That's not judgment. That's a boundary about your comfortability. And you do not have to explain that to anyone. Like Oprah said, no is a complete answer. And if she's right, like no, with no other explanation, like you can say, I'm not into that. And I think like the practicing the little no's. So if you're a person out there who's like, ooh, I'm not bold like that. I could never have a conversation like that. Like, I want to challenge you of practicing the little no's because you might also be a person who lets somebody put lemon in your water and you don't take lemon in your water or like whatever the case. Like practice the little things and learning how to establish those boundaries. Practice with the people that you love, your best friends, your parents. My, my mom has a bad habit. When I first moved out to California, she would call whenever she felt like she remembered to call me. Like, and she didn't pay attention to the time. 
So my phone's on do not disturb and has been for three years. Like it cuts off at a certain time. It cuts on in a certain morning. Like you, she cannot wake me up no more. Like we're not playing that game. She's like, really like talking to you though when I walk, when I drive to work. That's 5 a.m. for me, mom. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. You want to have conversations about family and Christmas and plane tickets? No, absolutely not. No, you know? And so some of these, like when we talk about boundaries, Ironically, we only we seem to only talk about these things in intimate relationship. But my I want to push you further to think about it. What's your boundaries with your best friends? Some of us got pushy best friends, overstepping best friends, people who are doing the most. Why? Because we we don't associate with telling like being able to have a boundary with them. So um, when I when I have this conversation with with college students, I ask them. I remember the first time I asked them three years ago, I said, what are your friend rules? And they were like, I don't have friend rules. I love my friends for who they are. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, (laughs) If you fuck my brother, we're not friends. Friend rule. Mm -hmm. Friend rule. Like, we are not friends. If we didn't, no way. Mm -mm. Not going to happen. Because then we can't be (laughs) friends. Because now you're my brother's friend. And if you and my brother break up, then I don't know what we can be friends. So I... (laughs) No, it's just a hard no for me. There's a boundary. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, yes. So one, one thing I would add to this conversation, because I just saw this online, I'm doing a lot of like research around like uh, nonviolent communication and like, you know, conflict resolution and stuff like that. And um, I'm going to butcher the quote a little bit, but it's that um, conflict is a, is a signal of unmet needs. And so therefore, like when you think about it like that, like, okay, two people, usually both people have some sort of unmet needs happening. And from that lens, conflict is the solution and not the problem. And I, I, cause I think people think of setting boundaries and they hear conflict or telling something, some, you know, telling someone else something that they don't want to hear. And then that person is going to get upset. And I think so much of this idea of not setting boundaries comes from, avoiding conflict, kind of like, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just going to go with the flow. Um, And then you end up in this really uncomfortable position because I think then people are socialized and rewarded for and think that what they're supposed to do is put what they want on the back burner for what it is that the other person in front of them is going to feel more comfortable with or what they want or whatever. And it's hard to find that voice. That's people confusing what compromise is. That's not... You, you you putting yourself on the back burners, that's not compromise, that's sacrifice. Yeah. And, and, and we, like definitions are real. I'm a, Jared knows this, like I'm a really stickler for definitions. Like I, I want to know what you mean when you say a word. Like, because I, I think I know what it means. Like I'll, I'll even Google a word in a meeting just to make sure I'm understanding. Like, <laughs> did you say that? Because... And so I, I've had these conversations with, with students, with myself, with dating, with, with friendship of like, what you just asked me to do isn't, you know, I had a friend once say, if you loved me, you would just do this for my bridal shower. If you oh. loved me, you would just do this for me. Wow. What a manipulative sentence. That's not compromise. That's not love. That's not friendship. That's mean. 
Yeah. And for an untrained person who's not in tune with their what their boundaries are or what their definitions around these terms are, friendship, relationship, hooking up, dating, boundary, limit, sexual pleasure. If you don't know what these things mean to you, then someone can tell you, well, that's loving me, like be a good friend. And then another group of people can say, well, you did agree to be in that wedding. Like, you know, be a solid, like, you know, weddings are super stressful. And then I go through six months of feeling like shit to prove to a bunch of people that I'm a good friend when I don't even value that you've been a good friend to me. Mm -hmm. See how far we get when we're not being honest with ourselves around what these terms and things are. So boundaries for everyone who's listening, Jared, I really appreciate you, you, talking a little bit about what the conflict is. Boundaries is not a negative connotation word. Mm-hmm. I hope that it can be a freeing term for us. It can be mm-hmm. something that helps us strive for the best sex of our lives, the best relationships, because we're being honest and communicating with others, you know, what we're actually into, not what we're pretending mm-hmm. to be into, not what we think the other person thinks we should be into, but we're being real. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I've missed out on a lot of second dates, I think. But I think to myself, do I want to be in a marriage where I have to go to the shooting range with this dumbass for the rest of my life? Like, no, I don't want to pretend to do that. And I think I hope. Are you getting a lot of like guys asking you to go to a shooting range? Recently, yeah. Like, I think people are scared (laughs) about the pandemic. So I think people are like preparing for the apocalypse. And I'm I'm gonna be honest with y'all. If it gets to a handsmaid tale situation. I don't know if I'm going out guns blazing like that. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to come up with my apocalypse plan. No, well, that's that. Well, that's hilarious. But that's so beautiful what you said about this idea of, you know, setting boundaries is about honesty and authenticity and, and genuine connection. And it's, it's a, it's an, it's, you know, you, you risk being real to, to build an actual connection with someone. Right. And when I think about, you know, like younger people who maybe haven't had that, that um, holistic sex education and no one's really drummed it in their heads. Like it's supposed to feel good. (laughs) And if it doesn't feel good, then you should say something. Right. And if you're with someone who's not immediately responsive to you saying something, then you should not be with that person, you know, then say something louder and never be with that person again. Right. Um, But but, go, no, go. I just, Leanna, like you asked me for like a tip. And so to your point of what you said, Jared, here's another one. I ask men to hold their hand to check if they cut their nails. I have a very, very sensitive body. And if your hands, if you got long nails or then your hands aren't clean, I'm going to get an infection when you try to touch me. And I tell them that. Like, <laughs> yo, did your mama ever teach you? Like, yo, you got to take care of that, my dude. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And another question I ask is how often do you change your sheets? Because oh, again, like, like yo, cleanliness, body, it's our ability to talk about my boundaries, my body, being authentic to that piece, but also being able to share that value and being able to share it with someone and being open and real and opening up how I think that I think a lot of people want to have the conversation. I think honestly, a lot of people have a lot of skills they don't know that they have in those conversations. Mm. I think they don't have the starter. Like, what's the question? So, sorry that I interrupted you, Jared, because I just no, I wanted to I wanted to connect 
to what you were saying is this idea of like, let's keep asking ourselves what's the opener so that we can get to the actual deeper conversation that shares around like what our boundaries are that create the real relationships we're looking for and not just trial and error. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think the precursor there, right? Like the foundation that you have to have to even be where you're talking about of figuring out, uh, I guess everyone would say they have this in theory, but when push comes to shove, I think some of us are so, so socialized to be people pleasing and whatever that the, the foundation you have to have is like my truth and my authenticity and my comfort is more important to me than this other person's approval and sort of making them happy. Right. Yeah. And not everyone is there, you know? And, and then so, well, it so leads to the confusion and like, yeah, that's such a beautiful statement. And it go that, that is the most concise thing that I want to say if I leave you all with nothing, that's exactly what I what I want to go back to is how are we being honest with ourselves and what responsibilities do we have to that honesty? Mm-hmm. Well, and and let me just, I, I, I'm really interested in something because, so Leanna, a number of episodes ago, you told a story and I, I don't remember if this was on Consent to Sexy or another episode right around there, but you were telling the story about you know, this guy and that you agreed to make out with him in his car when you didn't really want to. And then he didn't. Oh, like, this is episode four. This yeah. Might be, yeah. 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 And then he Dating didn't want to, and then he didn't, you know, you were like, okay, I got to go. I got a long drive home. And he was like, no, no, no. Five more minutes, five, you know, whatever. And you described this feeling of being so worn out by saying no, that you kind of went along with more stuff than you really like wanted to. Just mm-hmm. to kind of keep the and so I'm wondering, like, talk through like what that is like for you in that moment in the context of, of the conversation we're having now. Are you talking? To, are you talking to me? Yes. Oh. <laughs> um. Yes, multiple times. I mean, I think. Okay, so I was going to bring this up, Erica, with everything you were saying. So this is going to, I don't know. Just don't judge me when I say this. When I am first kissing or making out with a guy, I don't want him grabbing my ass or touching my boobs on our first makeout session. To me, it feels like it's too fast and it's not something that I'm comfortable with. Maybe second time around, sure. But what I've noticed is every guy does it every guy. And so I've gotten to the point where I just like, okay, well, I know it's coming. Like I, and it it feels unreasonable to ask for it not to happen. And so I just, I let it happen. Um, I've also been in situations multiple times where I have said no, and that no was not taken seriously. And then I didn't feel comfortable saying no again. So, and, and here's what's crazy is I am a very strong person. I, and yet when I'm with these guys, it's like, I lose my, it's like, I lose my voice. And so I'm just thinking for me being a strong person, confident, losing my voice through these moments, like I can't even imagine someone who is not as confident or is a little bit more insecure or is soft-spoken and not as comfortable with being honest. I can't even imagine what they're going through in those moments 
and how vulnerable they must feel. So what, I guess, so to answer your question, Jared, yes. And then to kind of pull this in, like, what are some tips? Like, if you're saying no, if you're in a situation and the communication isn't getting through or you don't know how to communicate or you don't feel comfortable, like, what can you do? Well, first, I want to just say that uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that and the honesty and vulnerability of that. That took a, that's like a lot of courage. Um, I will say that there is no one magical wand that works for everyone. And so this is why the conversations like this are so important because we have to ask ourselves, what are we willing to do that fits our personality in that moment? So I, I'm going to you know rattle off some things that Erica and her way, the girl from the suburbs of Detroit who's traveled and done some things and who mama had these conversations with her, these things feel organic to me. If they don't feel organic to you, then the question is, well, what would feel organic to you? And if you don't know, keep asking. Ask other people. Ask people who seem to have a similar personality as you. Expand your circle of how you ask that. Expand what it is that you are watching on Netflix during this quarantine time. Um, expand just your access points to, to be able to explore for yourself like what that would be. I lean on my strength, which is looking someone in the eye and telling them what's on my mind. Um, in these moments, I have decided for, for Erica, for me, that I am going to say no at the top of my lungs if it came to that moment, um, because I want the other person to know that anything after this is violence. Mm. You, you are hurting me. Like, and if that's not your intention, like I want my no to be so firm and loud and so jarring that this other person, this man is going to have to decide if he's going to push past that. Cause I'm not saying no, stop. Like maybe like, come on. I said, I didn't No, Like, no, I like, I'm done. Like I said, I was done. Mm-hmm. And it, from that moment, it is, I'm full of fear. I'm typically am shaking. I have been in that moment. Um, and I, for me, I made up in my mind that I didn't want to question whether or not he would have gone further. I wanted to be clear. Mm. Um, so that, that's my like jarring, like, I'm not kidding. Um, I have made up in my mind. I, I'm, I've been like this since I was a teenager because of something that happened to me going to homecoming with a friend's brother. I always have money to get home. My cell phone's always charged. I'm always willing to leave an Uber. I'm always willing to go against like I, I begged my mom to stay out late that night. I was so afraid to call her in that bathroom. But my dress was ripped and my friends didn't care. And at that point, I didn't want to eat a burger with them. And so because I had that experience, I'm more able to say, I don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks right now. I'm out of here. I do not want this. And you're going to have to pin me down to the ground in order to for anything else to go on. But that's me because of what I've been through. Um, And so, you know, 
what are the things that we're doing? And I want to be very, very, very clear that this conversation is not victim blaming. This conversation is about how you are taking care of you and how you put yourself first in all situations so that you can have the best state of your life, so that you can't, so that you feel safe to do that. Knowing that your phone's charged, knowing that someone knows where you are, knowing that you've made up in your mind, like, you know what, set a curfew for yourself. Say, you know what, I know I'm going to happy hour with this person. I know I'm having drinks. I'm I'm open to going to dinner with him if it's still going to be a great night, but I am going home at midnight. Mm-hmm. No matter what the situation is, no matter how good this is, I'm going home at midnight. I drove myself here so I know I can get home. I know how many drinks I can have. Like I'm going home. Like sometimes that's the boundary just as you're getting to know someone. So again, like I don't have a magical wand in those moments. Oh, this is what I will say for anyone out there who's like, you could just say no, like you don't have to do it. Like, what do you mean? You just froze. Like people don't do that. Let me tell you something. When someone's bigger than you, when, when you aren't sure of what they're capable of, these are terrifying split second moments, which is why I don't want to say, you know, thank you to you and Jared for spending the time to create the space to have these types of conversations and opening up that door, because there might be a lot of people who this is their way of having the conversation. Mm-hmm. They don't have people they feel safe enough yet, or they don't want other their friends to know what they might be into or what they might want to try. Or, they, you know, sometimes I'm embarrassed about saying I'm online dating or not online dating. Like I feel judged still by that from different people. So I, I'm not always super honest about that. Um, And so these avenues and these spaces create the opportunity for many of us to explore how we would even go about this. So to everyone who's listening, like there is no magical one way for any of this. I think the, the closest thing I can tell you is to say, how are you being honest with yourself? And how are you practicing being honest with other people? Um, the, these are the, it, the only way through it is to do the hard work. There is no other way. There, the, even, if, even if I got my wish and there was like holistic sex ed for everybody, designed by me, <laughs> and my face is on the cover, uh, we still are going to have to do the work of having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so um, how we take care of us empower ourselves how, how we and give ourselves those tools and then practice them again i mentioned like practice them with your best friends practice them with the people closest to you so that you feel you can gain your confidence sometimes some of us you know i used to have a really pushy best friend and i had that conversation one time and it was hard but we have a beautiful relationship over many years now because we both invested in each other. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things I tell college students is like, you know, um, how do we love each other through something? Because so often we're quick to throw away broken things. But how we love each other through something, what that means to me is we give each other grace to have the difficult conversations. We role model it to people and we give that difficult feedback so that they can come and have that conversation with us. And then we go to dinner together and then we hang out again to reinforce and affirm to that person that just because we had a boundary conversation doesn't mean you're a throwaway. Mm -hmm. It means I love you that much more because you're worth it. 
and I feel safe with you. And we're going to try this out together. And so I guess that's another tip I would say, like, I try to be this person in my, in my friendships and my, how I am, um, in my family, how I am as colleagues. Um, and it is difficult. It is painful. It is, I, this is anxiety provoking for me as I map out how to have the conversation or when's the best time to do it. Um, but I have never regretted having those conversations. Now, the consequences sometimes are that those people don't want to be my friend anymore. They don't want mm-hmm. to work with me anymore what, or not. But there was a piece of just knowing where I stood and feeling respected and feeling like I loved on me because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to take that. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if I, if I bring it full circle and just if I say anything in it, that I'm super passionate about is just this idea of being real with ourselves first. Like do that work and ask yourself, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Really? Like, what Mm -hmm. do you want tonight? Really? And what are you willing to do? And what are you not willing to do? And why? And be cool with that Mm -hmm. because not everyone's going to agree with you. On when you should have that first kiss, how you should have it. Not everybody's going to agree with you when you should share when how much college student loans you got, when you shouldn't. Nobody's going <laughs> to agree with you of like to say when's the last time you had sex or when not to, right? Like these are all, but you know for you, you know what you're looking for in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you know, or at least you know what you're not looking for. A lot of times, yeah. you know, we don't want before we, so anyways, these are the well, things I would say. Yeah. And I think- I love that. I think that's a great tip to give anybody in a compromising situation. Like if you're saying no and that person isn't taking it seriously to scream it at the top of your lungs so that they know exactly what's happening. Like they're very aware of that situation. Jared, were you going to say something? It's just, yeah, no, I, well, I would add to that. Right. I mean, I think if that works for you, absolutely do it. And I think being clear is, is really important, you know, for all the reasons that both of you have said, I I also want to give people permission to like, whatever works for you, you know, and like, you don't owe that person anything you owe yourself in that moment. And so if, if what works for you is like being like, oh, hang on, I got to go to the bathroom real quick or whatever. And you need that time to like take some deep breaths and collect yourself and and figure out what you're going to do. Or like do climb out the window. Like <laughs> or, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> but you know, but, but I mean, I think a lot of times it's because I, I, I relate to, you know, you know, people are fight, flight or freeze. I am a, a flight and a freeze. <laughs> my, like those are my instincts. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I grew up in a house where there was like lots of yelling and fighting and, and, and that was very scary to me. And so, um, I can relate to that. Like, it's not my first instinct to yell and fight and, and kind of stand up in that way. But what I've learned as an adult is like, I can get myself there if I give myself a second to think and to process and to just go, what do I want to do here? And a lot of times that is, setting a boundary, being clear, you know, but it might, it might look different. We all are going to respond differently in those moments. How we respond is incredibly okay. And what we need to do for us. And I think the bigger question here is, have we asked ourselves what we would do in those moments? What would be our thing? Who is the person we would call? Who, you know, where would we go? You know, 
asking ourselves some of those questions can help us when it's happening to decide, okay, this is happening. Like this, this is my go-to or this is what I want to at least attempt. And that can be um, sometimes empowering um, for us. So, yeah. Well, this has been so amazing. Erica, do you have any like final thoughts that you want to share with us? Can, can, can I try to tie some loose ends together? And sure. Then, yeah. And then we'll do final Please. thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's what I really um, value about the conversation. And I feel like what we've explored, right, is, um, you know, picking up on the last conversation Leanne and I had about consent, when we were really talking about consent from the point of to be a good partner, ensuring that you're receiving consent from the other person or persons involved. And Erica, you started so started us off tonight by talking about, well, how important it is as a good partner to communicate consent and to also communicate boundaries, right? And and very quickly, we found ourselves in this deeper water of the fact that communicating boundaries and communicating authenticity or, or, or authentically is difficult in all these ways, right? Because we have different meanings for different words. We're coming from different assumptions about what we're both doing there. Um, There's different kind of cultural ideas of when you reveal certain things about yourself or, or how quickly the physical piece is going to move. But what I really appreciate is we ended up in this place of a really sort of, to me, um, tangible and insightful discussion of how do we set those boundaries, right? How can we be those good communicators and really like honor ourselves in all kinds of spaces, whether it's dating someone and you're really excited about them, but then they start coming off creepy or whatever, or in actual, you know, sexual, really difficult, scary situations. Yeah. I think that's a great tie-in. So, and so, yeah. So I don't know, like any, did I miss anything? Any like, um, final thoughts or additions? I don't think so. Erica, do you have any final words of wisdom? You're so wisdomous. No, no I, I, I really appreciate our time together. I think, Jared, that was like a beautiful summary of the conversation. I felt a little like all over the place, but I think having conversations about boundaries and how to communicate them is a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Especially when you're navigating it with someone else. So you and your journal is the first step. And then the second step is that extra layer of of hard and and complexity, which is communicating it to someone else and being willing to listen to their rebuttals to that and them establishing what their boundaries are and then how you navigate that together. That's the joy and the work. So yeah. Well, and, and two of the things, like two of the real tangible takeaways for me from what you've shared, Erica, are like, number one, like getting clear with yourself, like do this work yourself, you know, like, what are you okay with? What are you not okay with? And even practicing in all those little ways that you talked about of like, saying no, because because I think about it, like in a dating situation, you know, um, like, you can say no to like, being picked up by the other person, you know, and that's like your practice. Cause you're like, okay. And in addition, I'm not going to be in a position where I don't know how I'm getting home too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one of like, so it's, it's one getting clear in yourself and two strategizing and figuring out how you're going to communicate that in a way that it doesn't 
like lock you up or, or, or feel really difficult for you. And I just want to, I just want to say one more thing and you guys can let me know what you think about this, but all of these are great strategies for learning to set boundaries for yourself, for setting yourself up for having a consensual relationship with someone. But sometimes all of that stuff doesn't happen. And there you have to have grace for yourself and forgiveness for yourself. If yes. there's a situation, um, you cannot, like we said, there's no victim blaming here. You cannot blame yourself for not having planned that, you know, you should have taken an Uber or not having planned that you, you know, should have only had one drink or whatever. There's a million things that we can go back and say, I wish I had done that. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And at it's all, it's a learning process. We're growing as human beings. We're going to make mistakes and it is never our fault for something like that happening to us. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and we should live in a world, right. Where people are really like hyper aware and asking each other constantly, Unfortunately, we don't live in that world yet, but I think with people like Erica doing the work she's doing, you know, like we're getting there, right? Like I think young people today have a better awareness of this than what some of what I grew up with. And so I think that's really hopeful. Yeah. Well, Erica, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciated your input and eloquence and, you know, I believe that this is a podcast in order to empower women and, um, and inform men. And I really felt like we, we did that in today's episode. So I just, I really appreciate everything you brought. And uh, if you guys have any questions for Erica, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast or at underscore Lana Joan. And I will forward them to Erica so you can keep in communication with her on this topic if you have anything else you'd like to know thank you both yes thank you erica erica that was so amazing thank you so much for coming on it was such a powerful message and i just i really appreciate you taking time i know you're so busy and um just thank you for holding that space for my listeners it was beautiful absolutely beautiful so thank yes. you. Yes. Yes. She's a badass. You're a badass. I feel really lucky to have been a part of this whole thing. And like, Aww. and like Erica is really like an amazing like leader in her mm-hmm. field and is doing awesome, awesome. Yeah. Things oh world, yeah. So. You can tell she's kicking yeah. ass. Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to end with something kind of funny. So we're starting a new segment. So if you're on Instagram, there's a Instagram account called at bumble fucking nightmares and it's basically just all of this horrible stuff that has happened on bumble so i downloaded hinge recently and have had some experiences already and so this is called hinge fucking nightmares so anyway it's just a little something just to kind of make you guys laugh but i just wanted to tell you a little a couple things that make me lose faith in men (laughs) (laughs) um okay so i joined in and The first guy that I kind of started talking with, 
um, was a little younger, but he lived in Redlands. So I was like, okay, well, at least he lives Bingo. In- <laughs> when someone's like- near you, that's like huge. When you're like, oh, I don't have to like, because not only it's just like, it's for the first date of like, oh, I'm really going to drive like fucking an hour to like, yeah. for this person I'm probably not even going to like. But then even thinking about like their relationship afterwards, I'm like, well, what if I do like them? Now I got to drive a fucking hour like every I know. time I want to see know. them. Yeah. I know. So anyway, I'm like, okay, he's younger. He's in Redlands. He looked kind of dorky but I'm like, whatever, I'll give it a shot. He's like, I think you're so cute, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, well, listen, what are you looking for? Because I could tell, I can just kind of tell when they're a little bit more lackadaisical about the conversation. And maybe like he used an emoji that I'm like, ooh, is he just looking for like a hookup or whatever? So I just asked him, I said, hey, listen. Did the eggplant you- emoji or? No. No, like, he did what, the, like. What is, that, what is the emoji that makes you think? It, oh. He like did the, the one with the, the tongue, tongue sticking out, which makes me think like like that for a guy that's like, mm, yummy. Oh, like interesting. The, is, that what, is, is that the context he was using it? Kind of, yeah. So, um, so I just asked him, I said, what are you looking for? And he was like, uh, yeah, like I just got out of a four year relationship like six months ago and I'm just not really looking for anything serious right now. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, just so you know, like I am. So, you know, (laughs) I, and I don't really, I don't really, I don't do hookups, so it's probably not going to work out. And he goes, well, wait a second. What, how do you describe a hookup? And I was like, um, well, you know, like you just meet up and you have casual sex and I, I want someone to invest in me emotionally and romantically. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I can do that. He's like, I just don't want to do that exclusively. <laughs> that's he's hilarious. Like, he's like, basically I'm like polyamorous. And I was like, were you polyamorous okay. in your relationship? And he's like, no, no. So like, I mean, like, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm just trying out now. Something I, that I'm just, looking into now. I just like, <laughs> I want to sleep with a bunch of people, but like, I, I don't want to call it a hookup because it's not a hookup because I want to invest in them romantically, but I really don't want to invest in them because I just want to sleep around. Well, so anyway. you know, I, so good for both of you so far, by the way, one, you like got a vibe of like, Oh, I think this guy's like, kind of like really casual about this and like let me just call that out early on and then for him for like being honest and I mean I, I think look there's a lot of people who are poly and like you know I, I, I'm not going to say that monogamy like is the right way or if it's not monogamous that it's not a real relationship I think there's a lot of like bullshit judgment on that but like we, we've talked about this like I don't think it works for me and you don't think it works for you yeah. so like more power to the dude but like also yeah. like more power to you for like recognizing it and like yeah kind of no I mean out. there's I mean there's nothing wrong with what he did he was honest I asked him he was honest about it he didn't use me but I just think it's funny that that was like the first guy that I started uh like kind of talking to and it was like yeah I'm just like interested in sleeping with a bunch of people right now um okay so then uh and then I had a guy I think this is so funny so the way hinge works is you don't swipe and match you look at people's profiles and if you like their profile you can like a picture or you can comment on like Mm -hmm. um what's it called a an answer like one of the answer or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so some guy and we had actually matched before in the past and I deleted him because he was such a douche. But he commented on my picture. He goes, hey, listen, I'm not sure if I'm available, but I think you're really cute and sweet. 
I'm not sure if I'm available. Exactly! Like, what does that even mean? Like, why would you even go out of your way? First of all, one, to be on Hinge, if you're not sure if you're available. And two, to go out of your way to comment on a girl's picture. Like, what was he hoping I'd say? Like, oh, I don't care. I think you're really hot, too. Like, do you want my number? Because, like, I just want to, like, sleep with you. <laughs> and I just I just messaged him back, and I was like, um... You're not sure if you're available? I'm confused. And he deleted me right away. And I didn't match with him because I was interested. I just, I wanted to know you're like, where yeah, you're his like, time head was. Out. I have to, I, I have got to know more about this. Yeah. And thank you for giving me content for my podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> By the way, I don't, I don't know why my, my mind is doing, is being silly today, but like, I'm thinking like, what's the real life version of that? Like someone's like at the bar and it's like, Hey, look, I, I'm not like really here right now, but like, I think you're cute. And if I don't know, just what do you want to do? With that? <laughs> or like, you know? or maybe like, okay, maybe this could be an example. I had a guy hit on me one time. He runs a business here in Redlands and we had a drink together and he was telling me how connected he felt to me and how special he thought I was. Well, literally the next morning, my one of my friends who knew him was like, hey, stay away from that dude. He has a girlfriend. They got into a fight last night. So I think that would be like similar. It's just like oh, yeah. maybe he thought they were going to break up. So he's already, I mean, it doesn't excuse it at all. But like yeah. he's thinking like, maybe I am available. I'll just like plant a seed in case something happens. And then this girl's like into me or whatever. Anyway, yeah, whatever. But the I difference is, but, but, but the difference is that guy, when he was talking to you, was like pretending to be available. That's why what this dude did on Hinge is so funny. <laughs> it's know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be like, it would be like the same story, except the guy was like, look, I'm probably in a relationship right now, but I feel so <laughs> incredibly connected to you. You know, like, like what, what, why is, how would you even think that that's a good tactic? Well, and it's not even like if he's trying, if he is in a relationship or a semi relationship, or whatever, he's not even trying to cheat. He's just being dumb and being like, yeah. hey, hey, I'm probably not. He's not even playing the game well. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. So Either anyway. like, be a decent human or like, well, actually, just be a douche me because I was going to say, or it's a better idea if you're wanting to cheat, be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, don't, yeah, I don't like tip your hand. I know. So I think that's kind of it. I mean, I've, I've talked with a couple other guys and there were, a I was telling you there like two other guys that were like, hey, I just got out of a relationship. I'm not sure I'm looking for something serious. Um, a lot of guys, I like really, really, really want kids. And they're bringing that up really quick. Like, how do you feel about kids? And I wonder if they're bringing it up because I'm 33. They're like, they're like, oh, her yeah, ovaries. Oh, get started her, soon. Yeah, her ovaries are starting to dry up. So I need to know, I need to know if she wants to be impregnated by me. Like, like I've been reading soon. WebMD and I've heard about women's reproductive health and yeah. I know that there's a timer. Um, that's so interesting. Let me ask you a question. What, since you talked about the one guy who was, you said six months out of a four-year relationship, and mm -hmm. then you just mentioned these two. So what is the, the ratio or time in which you would be like, it's too soon, I'm not even going to like really entertain this guy as a yeah, possibility? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I know for me, 
I was in a relationship for 10 years and I went to dating very quickly and that was a horrible idea. And I hurt some, I got hurt a lot and I hurt some guys, not mm. many, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish that I would have waited. And people kept telling me like, I don't think you're ready yet. I, and I was like, no, I'm ready. I'm fine. I'm like doing the work. And I was like a hot mess. So yeah. I just know for me, I have needed all this time. And I now am like starting to feel really ready, but no, I still have a lot of work to do. I think men are less in tune with their emotions. And so they, I think they much easier move on because they just don't necessarily sit in or feel what they're feeling. I think the longer the relationship, the more time you need. So if someone's mm -hmm. coming out of a four-year relationship, it's six months out. I don't know. I think that's a decent amount of time. But I, if that's what I was thinking too, yeah. You know, but if they're coming out, it's been six months and they're like, hey, I just don't feel ready. Then you know they're just wanting to F around, right? Mm -hmm. um, someone, I think a shorter relationship, like they say it's like half the time of the relationship you were in, which I think is is kind of dumb. I think it just- Yeah, that's dumb it. because if you got a 10-year relationship, you're going to wait five years before you well, date anyone? It's been like four years for me and I yeah, may you, not even, I may have another nine years to go. No, but you've dated a lot of people and yeah. had relationships and like been okay. I had one relationship. Yeah. It was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but look at how much you learned. I know. So yeah, I mean, I think, okay, here's what would help for me. I think if I matched with someone that was like, hey, I just got a, a four month relationship. It's been a month. And I would be like, oh, wow, you know, that's kind of soon. How are you feeling? And then what I would want to hear is the reassurance of, you know, honestly, the relationship ended a little bit before it actually ended. I've processed the feelings, I'm definitely moved on and I'm ready to try dating again. That's mm -hmm. what I would want to hear. I want to hear that solidity of the, the guy knowing what he's ready for, what he wants. Um, yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with someone wanting to just date casually. That's just, you guys know, that's just not for me. So, um, so I think for me, looking for something real, if I were to start talking to a guy on a dating app, I would need that kind of really distinct and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like sort of self-aware? Self-aware and just a very clear. Like outlook on things and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting to me because as you were talking about it, I was putting myself in the shoes of like, you know, like being interested in someone that just got out of a relationship. And I was like, yeah, I could see how either end of the spectrum would set off alarm bells for me. If someone was like, yeah, it's been really rough to be honest with you. And I'm just now starting to feel human yes. again. I'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But then the other end would be just as bad of like, what do you mean? Like, I'm fine. Like it was, you know, it ended three weeks ago. Like everything's fine. I'd be like, Ooh, there, there's a little self-awareness missing there. I agree. You know. Well, and I think it's a little different right now with quarantine, because I think without quarantine, people may take longer to mm. kind of heal and process. But with quarantine, we're stuck with our thoughts. We're stuck alone. Yes. And so there's probably more of that draw to find connection. So maybe it's happening a little bit sooner than 
that person may be ready for just because we're in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Connection and distraction mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know. Which again, isn't a bad thing. I just think it's just so important at that time than just to be very honest about what you're ready for, what you're looking for and, you know, not to lead anybody on. So. Yeah. And if you're ready to get out there in the quarantine world that we're in, I highly recommend Walkos. <laughs> As a first date, just put it out there. You know, be like, look, we can stay six feet apart. We can have walk, our have our walkos. Yeah. Eat tacos. Yeah. We could walkos. We could talk walkos. Yeah, we could well, I mean, I guess they could be tacos. <laughs> that would be like if you're talking. <laughs> I can't even say it right. Okay, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this very long episode. I appreciate all of you. Uh, Thank you, Jared, for being here. Thank you, Erica. Please follow me on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Leanna Joan. You can follow Jared at the real Jared Rodriguez with an S. Uh, Find me on Twitter at hello underscore by underscore pod Asian G Hive on Facebook. Please take 20 seconds to go over to uh, Apple podcasts and leave a rating, a five-star rating, or maybe a review and have a great week. Yay. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.